This is Commission President Sam Cho convening the regular meeting of January 9th, 2024. The time is now 10.27 a.m. We're meeting in person today at the Port of Seattle Headquarters Building, Commission Chambers, and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Present with me today are Commissioners Calkins, Fellman, and Mohammed, who are currently gathered in the Executive Session Room awaiting the opening of the public meeting. Commissioner Hasegawa is excused. We'll now recess into Executive Session to discuss two items regarding litigation and or potential litigation or legal risk per RCW 42.30.110 sub 1 sub I for approximately 60 minutes. One of those items is as well related to the performance of a public employee per RCW 42.30.110 sub 1 sub G. We'll reconvene into public session at 12 p.m. noon. Thank you. We are in recess. All right, everyone, we're going to go ahead and uh, get started. This is Commission President Sam Cho reconvening the regular meeting of January 9th of 2024. The time is 12.04 p.m. We're meeting in person today at the Port of Seattle Headquarters Building Commission Chambers and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Clerk Hart, please call the roll of all commissioners in attendance. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Here. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Present. Thank you. And Commissioner Mohammed. Present. Thank you. We do have a quorum established here today. Excellent. Uh, as a few ha housekeeping uh, items before we begin, for everyone in the meeting room, please turn your cell phones to silent. For anyone anticipating or participating on Microsoft Teams, please meet your speakers when not actively speaking or presenting. Please keep your cameras off unless you are a member of the commission or executive director participating virtually or you are a member of staff in a presentation and are actively addressing the commission. Members of the public addressing the commission during public comment may turn on their cameras when their name is called to speak and will turn them back off again at the conclusion of their remarks. For anyone at the dais here today, please turn off the speakers on any computers and silence your devices. Please also remember to address your questions to be recognized to speak through the chair and to wait to speak until you have been recognized. You'll turn on your microphones on and off as needed. All the items noted here will ensure a smoother meeting, so I thank you in advance. All votes today will be taken by the roll call method, so it is clear for anyone participating virtually how votes are cast. Commissioners will say aye or nay when their name is called. We are meeting on the ancestral lands and waters of the Coast Salish people, with whom we share a commitment to steward these natural resources for future generations. This meeting is being digital recorded and may be viewed or heard at any time on the port's website and may be rebroadcast by King County Television. Please now stand and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. <coughs> All right, so first item of the uh, business today is approval of the agenda. As a reminder, if a commissioner wishes to comment for or against an item on the consent agenda, it is not necessary to pull the item from the consent agenda. Rather, a commissioner may offer supporting or opposing comments later in the meeting once we, be, we get to consent agenda. Please wait until the motion to approve the consent agenda is on the floor for those comments, if any. However, it is appropriate at this time if a commissioner wants to ask questions of staff or wishes to have a dialogue on a consent agenda item to request the item to be pulled for separate discussion. I've heard that there are two items to be potentially pulled from the consent agenda for this meeting. The first is agenda item 8G, the 2024 state legislative agenda. 
Uh, Commissioner Mohammed, is it still your desire to pull this item from the consent? That is correct. Excellent. Thank you, Commissioner. Clerk Hart, for the record, I would like to pull item 8I from the consent agenda with respect to gate realignment at SEA. Those are the two items. Um, are there any other additional items to be pulled from the consent agenda or any motions to re rearrange the orders of the day? All right, so seeing none, commissioners, the question is now to approve the agenda uh, as uh, amended. Is there a motion to approve? So moved. Okay. Great, we have a motion and a second. Is there any objection to the approval of the agenda as amended? Hearing none, the agenda is approved as amended. All right, we do not have any special orders scheduled for today, so our next uh, item on the agenda is going to be our Executive Director's Report. Executive Director Metric, you have the floor. Thank you, President Cho. <clears throat> Good afternoon, Commissioners, and Happy New Year. I hope everyone was able to relax, refresh, and recharge over the holiday break in the Commission recess. As we as we begin the new year, it's a good time to reflect upon some of our accomplishments and look for ahead to our priorities for 2024. In 2023, we achieved a number of milestones across our operations. In July, we set new daily records for the airport and our new international rivals facility. And cruise season set a new record for passengers in 2023. We pay a particular attention to our operational volume because they are a crucial a critical a crucial source of economic activity and jobs for our tenants and related industries. Last year was also a significant was also significant from, from a capital planning perspective. The upgrade SEA program is well underway, improving the Alaska lobby in checkpoint five and progress on relocating checkpoint one. This month passengers will start to see construction impacts at the Sea Concourse expansion. This spring, there will also be work to improve the airport arrivals roadway. On the maritime side, the Commission authorized investments in marquee facilities, including redeveloping berths 6 and 8 at Terminal 91 and completing design for the Terminal 91 uplands redevelopment, authorizing construction for the Maritime Innovation Center and the Fisherman's Terminal redevelopment. We also advanced work to expand shore power at Pier 66, positioning Seattle to be, to be the only cruise be one of only, the only cruise home ports in the world to offer shore power at all three of its berths. On the policy side, we became the first port in the country to adopt a land stewardship, land stewardship principles. This year, we will finalize and adopt the land stewardship plan and tree placement standards, furthering our national leadership on sustainability. Commissioners, later in the meeting, you'll be asked to extend the lease for the Duwamish Community Hub. It's, it's an extraordinarily successful amenity for the community, opening its doors for 256 events in 2023. Last year, we also achieved a major milestone at the closely connected Duwamish River People's Park and Habitat. In the first year of monitoring, environmental managers found juvenile native salmon and wetland plants thriving in the habitat we built for them. Our South King County Community Impact Fund met major, major milestones in 2023 as well. As of December, the fund had allocated 7.3 of its $10 million to 72 environmental and economic recovery and WIMBY projects. Looking back on our achievements provi provides perspective. When you look back, you can see that the port has made, makes huge strides every year. We accomplished a lot in 2023 and we have an equally ambitious agenda in 2024. 
We are committed to being ready for the world in two years. From the waterfront to the airport, we will be ready to greet the world when FIFA comes to town the summer of 2026. We are looking beyond 2026 with planning for the future of transportation and aviation in our region, particularly by advancing our sustainable aviation master plan. We are preparing for the future of energy. We know that the future will be emissions free and that the Pacific Northwest and West Coast will be on the leading edge of the transition to get us there. While the region may be innovative early adopters, all of our industries require global collaboration to address global climate change. With the strong leadership of our commission in 2022 and 2023, we began reinvesting in our global relationships, particularly our green corridor projects and sister port relationships. We see opportunities through them to accelerate business development and sustainability initiatives through this global collaboration. Of course, none of this work is possible without our staff here at the port. Ensuring that the port remains an employer of choice, staffed by talented and highly motivated employees is a major focus for myself and our leadership team here. Doing what's right for our employees and continuing our progress to be an anti-racist organization are among my priorities for the year. I'm excited that this year is underway and look forward to working with you throughout the upcoming year. Before we get started with today's meeting, I have a few other quick items to share. First, I want to commend Alaska Airlines, the FAA, the aviation industry, and, the airport and our airport employees for their response to the aircraft incident on Friday night. Our partners executed in, in an immediate and comprehensive response. At SCA, our staff worked close, closely with Alaska to accommodate operational and customer service needs including thinking rapidly to open the cruise check-in location in the parking garage for additional space to rebook customers, working with airlines to coordinate space for aircraft on the ramp, and handling, handing out 150 blankets and water to passengers in our terminal. The partnership and collaboration has been evident throughout. I personally appreciated the regular updates as you were receiving them too from Aviation Managing Director Lance Little and his team. And I was very impressed, very impressed with the response that continues as we speak because the situation is still con uh, continuing. The response to this incident is a great reminder of the importance of preparedness. As we enter the winter travel season and the forecast is getting more winter-like as compared to the mild weather we had uh, over the holidays, our teams at both our seaport and airport are working hard to keep our gateways open and have plans in place with our partners for major weather events the type which are starting to be forecast now. Uh, having the right resources is important. We appreciate the Commission's actions last year to expand our fleet of de-icing and snow removal equipment and the continuous improvement efforts by our airport airlines and tenants to be prepared for weather. In other news, while it, it, it probably no longer comes as a surprise to many of you, I'm pleased to again share that our Accounting and Financial Reporting Department has again received the Certificate of Achievement for Excellence in Financial Reporting from the Government Finance Officers Association of the United States and Canada. This marks the 18th, 18th consecutive year that the AFR team has received this prestigious award. 18 years of performance at this level it's very impressive and is great recognition for the effort that is, that is put into our financial reporting work. And it also, more importantly to me, it reflects very well on our Century Agenda goal of being a highly effective public agency and setting the standard for financial reporting. Congratulations to everyone within the AFR 
team and their partners throughout the divisions of the uh, of the port. Commissioner is also reflecting back. We also have very sad news as we begin the year, and I'm sorry to, sorry, sorry to, say, to share the sad news that the Port of Seattle Port of Seattle firefighter Alvin Vaughn passed away on December 25th after, after a courageous fight with pancreatic cancer. <coughs> The Seattle Times Sports section ran a wonderful tribute to Alvin, covering his distinguished sports career at Garfield High School and the University of Washington in his community work as well as his work as a firefighter at the port. A celebration of Alvin's life was held last Saturday and his family, friends, and colleagues at the Port of Seattle Fire Department held a meaningful and inspiring ceremony. And it was a great tribute to a life well lived. We lost other, several other members of the Port family last year as well. You may have seen an email they sent to all employees recently remembering all the colleagues we lost in 2023, including colleagues George Ann Smith, Health and Safety Program Manager, Johnny Ford, maintenance, Marine Maintenance Painter, John Hartley, Harbor Operations Specialist, and Jenny Chang, a design technician on our engineering design team. Our thoughts and prayers go out to their families, friends, and colleagues, um, continuing on. Finally, on Monday, January 15th, the nation celebrates Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday and his impact of his work on all of us. The port will sponsor a table at the annual MLK Day Opportunity Fair at Gar Garfield High School with support by staff from HR, OEDI, Workforce Development, and other departments. There will also be a community dialogue, workshops, rally, and a march. The port has been a strong supporter of this event for many years and it's definitely a highlight for us. Moving to today's commission meeting, <clears throat> I'd like to highlight just a, a few items. Item 8I on a consent agenda, which has been, uh, which has been um, removed, and we'll discuss that, is an action item that uh, that underscores our commitment and eagerness to deliver on a reconfiguration of several airline gates to maximize our airport's efficiency. The project authorization increase for the post-IAF air, airline realignment project will help improve the sequencing of construction activities and allow critical work to begin earlier. And I look forward to discussing that further in the agenda. Uh, Item 10C under new business is an order of the Port of go. Seattle okay. Commission meeting commission electing the slate of officers yeah. for the port for calendar year 2024 um, you can take care of that Michelle I did okay item 10c uh, under new business is an order of the Port of Seattle Commission electing the slate of officers for port for the calendar year 2024 I want to congratulate Commissioner Mohammed on her selection as president Commissioner Hasegawa as vice president and Commissioner Hawkins as secretary and as long as I have the mic, I also want to thank uh, current President uh, Cho for your vision and your steadfast leadership uh, over the course of the last year during one of the best years operationally in the port's history. And I look forward to building our successes under the leadership of Commissioner Mohammed. So with that, that concludes my report. Uh, I thank you. Thank you so much, Steve, for your report. Um, we are now on to committee reports. Erica Chung, Commission Strategic Advisor, will provide the report. Good afternoon, Commissioner Cho, Commissioners, Executive Director Metric. I have two committee reports from 2023. On December 19th, Commissioner Fellman participated in the Portwide Arts and Culture Board, where the board was given a review of 
2024 art projects at SCA and non-aviation properties. The board then discussed the process of implementing a more robust port-wide strategy and previewed projects for 2024. On December 14, Commissioners Mohammed and Cho convened the last audit committee meeting. The committee received an audit entrance report from Moss Adams for an annual audit and report on the financial statements for the year on December 31st. The presentation of audit results is expected in May 2024. The audit will also address compliance related to major federal war programs and the schedule of passenger facilities charge program receipts and expenditures and related internal controls. The audit will also look at the schedule of net revenues available for revenue bond debt service. The committee further received a construction audit services annual report from RL Townsend and Associates, received an update on internal audits outreach project, received an update on the 2023 audit plan, recommended approval of the proposed 2024 internal audit plan, and received performance audit reports on the airport parking garage and separately on police department seizures and the eviction evidence room. And a limited contract compliance audit report for Seattle Air Ventures was presented. Internal audits 2023 annual report will be presented at the February 13th commission meeting. This concludes my report. Thank you. Excellent. Any questions or comments for Erica? All right. Moving on to the next item. Thank you, Erica. We are now at the public comment section of our agenda. The Port Commission welcomes public comment as an important part of the public process. Comments are received and considered by the Commission in its deliberations. Before we take public comment, let's review our rules for in-person and virtual public comment. Clerk Hart, please play the recorded rules. The Port of Seattle Commission welcomes you to our meeting today. As noted, public comment is an important part of the public process and the Port of Seattle Commission thanks you for joining us. The Commission accepts in-person, virtual, and written public comment regarding matters related to the conduct of port business. Before we proceed, here are the Commission's public comment rules of procedure for your information. Each commenter will have two minutes to speak and should stay within the allotted time. A timer will appear on the screen and a buzzer will sound at the end of the two minute period for each speaker. The Commission reserves the right to receive comments specifically related to the conduct of port business. If comments are not related to the conduct of port business, the presiding officer will stop the speaker and ask that comments be kept to matters related to the conduct of port business. This rule applies to both introductory and concluding remarks. All remarks should be addressed to the Commission as a body and not to individual commissioners. Disruptions of Commission public meetings are prohibited. Disruptions include, but are not limited to the following. Refusal of a speaker to limit remarks to topics related to the conduct of port business. Threats and abusive or harassing behavior and language. Obscene language and gestures. Refusal of a speaker to comply with the allotted time set for the individual speaker's public comment leaving the podium or testimony table to physically approach commissioners or staff during one's public comment, provided speakers may offer written materials to the commission clerk, and any behavior that disrupts, 
disturbs or otherwise impedes the meeting. Any disruption will result in a speaker's microphone being immediately shut off by the presiding officer and a warning or loss of speaking privileges or removal from the meeting room may occur as provided in the commission's bylaws. Written materials provided to the clerk will be included in today's meeting record. The clerk has a list of those prepared to speak. We are taking comments from anyone who has signed up to speak virtually, as well as from anyone who has joined us today here in the meeting room. When your name is called, if you are joining virtually, please unmute yourself, then please repeat your name for the record and state your topic related to the conduct of court business. You may turn on your camera at this time. The two minute timer will then begin. If you're on the Teams meeting and at the same time streaming the meeting on the website, please mute the website stream to avoid feedback. When you have concluded your remarks, you may again turn off your camera and mute your speaker. If you are speaking from the meeting room, please come to the testimony table, repeat your name for the record, and state your topic related to the conduct of port business. Our public comment period will now commence. Thank you again for joining us today. All right, so um, our first sign up for public comment is Patrick McGee. <coughs> so do I. <laughs> Hi, commissioners, executive director, staff. My name is Patrick McKee, and I'm talking about this uh, CLIA Pacific Northwest Cruise Symposium coming up this month. Uh, so looking at proposed Seattle cruise numbers for 2024, this would appear to be the second year in a row with slightly fewer sailings, more passengers, but fewer sailings. Welcome news as far as it goes, but what's behind it? Hopefully not just another mysterious arrangement nobody quite sees fit to share with the public. You know, a question to file alongside why are we even talking about sustainability without accounting for scope three emissions? Who's tolerating cruise ship workarounds on low sulfur fuel regs? When is it okay in our state for billion dollar corporations to pay employees $2 an hour? How does a city of 30,000 accommodate 1.65 million visitors in a single summer? So I'll ask, what is it that's causing cruise lines to reduce the number of Seattle sailings? Capacity? Demand? Conscience? The port is presenting sponsor for CLIA's Pacific Northwest Cruise Symposium right here in Seattle at the end of this month. Is this the long-awaited open forum to discuss cost-benefit assumptions driving cruise decision-making, the experience of destination port residents as shipboard workers, regional health and environmental outcomes? No. It's an exclusive private affair. Tickets for insider partners only starting at $250. Well, plus another 100 for the opening reception, plus travel, per diem, housing, etc. We all know that deals made in rooms like these, often by our elected officials, have very real consequences for our lives and livelihoods. Why doesn't the Port Commission tell CLIA they're going to open the event to the public? Invite community representation, not just the tourism sector. Live stream it for stakeholders up and down the coast. Make tickets available to relevant organizations. Take questions from citizens, scientists, journalists. It's long past time for CLIA and the Port of Seattle and their various partners in profit to take seriously the health of the ocean, the stakes for the planet, and acknowledge the legitimate concerns of impacted communities. Thank you very much. 
Happy New Year. Thank you, Patrick. Our next speaker is online, uh, Robin Schwartz. Robin? Uh, oh, hi, thanks hi, for Robin. having me. My name's, hi, if you my name's straight, Robin Schwartz. Oh, there you go, you're going for it, go ahead. Thanks, uh, my name's Robin Schwartz. Um, I'm gonna speak about the um, renewal of the hub lease by the port in South Park. Um, I, uh, I live in South Park, I work at the Duwamish River Community Coalition, um, and I go to and organize a lot of meetings, um, and so I've used the hub quite a bit. I've been probably a good portion of those 256 events that were mentioned earlier. Um, let's see, uh, as you probably all know, South Park and, and Georgetown, the Duwamish Valley have been impacted by um, the ports, uh, all the ports workings and by its successes, and, and we have seen this, um, the use of the hub as a community space by our community as a, sort of a mitigating um, um, gesture by the court to, to kind of make up for, for all the money that you guys have made passing through our neighborhood and, and, uh, and we've really appreciated it. We don't have a lot of meeting spaces in South Park um, and we have even less now going forward as the community center has been closed. Um, I have been, I've used the hub for meetings for work, for meeting, I'm also part of the South Park Neighborhood Association, the Duwamish Valley Affordable Housing Coalition, Concord PTA, Greening Concord, all of those groups have used the hub. Um, now that the rental fees have been reduced, they are accessible for grassroots organizations. We have a lot of those in South Park. Um, and we just think it's a great thing and we strongly encourage you to extend the lease uh, and continue it as a, um, a community asset for uh, neighbors in South Park. Thanks so much. Thanks, Robin. Next speaker is Alex Zimmerman. Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Alex Zimmerman. You need to state your topic and then the clock will start. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, my name is Alex Zimmerman, uh, uh, President of Stand Up America, and I want to speak about business, what is very important for port. Yeah, for everybody in port. Thousand people probably work for port. I want impeach commissioner talking about impeach commissioner Cho, and I want to explain to you reason what is I doing this. Number one, he always interrupt me, so to me it look like he come from commission Komi North Korea. You know what is mean because I don't don't understand why they, he interrupt me all time. It's number one. Number two, I'm totally. Uh, uh, don't help him. <laughs> Alex, uh, I'm going to stop you there real quickly. You, your comments needed to be relative to port business. Port business. What is you talking about? Many times I told you in the, for the last few months, every time. Alex, you're not allowed to address a specific commissioner? You interrupt me. Why are you acting like a Nazi? You know what this means from North Korea? Alex, this is your last warning. You're being disruptive right now. I'll tell you one more time. You're not allowed to address a commissioner directly. That's exactly who you are. All right, Why if you can please have, have security escort. Yeah, 
Mr. Zimmerman out of the room. No, why you interrupt me? Can you explain to me? Impeachment is normal in America. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. I'm not Trump, the boy. All right, with that, we are moving on to our next public speaker, who is virtual. Her name is Paulina Lopez. Paulina? Good morning. Thank you so much, uh, Commissioner Cho and four commissioners, for the opportunity to provide uh, testimony on uh, exactly the renewal for the uh, Duwamish River Hub. Um, and I'm here. My name, again, is Paulina Lopez. I am the director of the Duwamish River Community Coalition, um, also a community member. And I want us um, to refer specifically uh, 2018 with the Port Commission adopted resolution 3747 uh, to establish um, a directive to increase community engagement uh, with the support for the families in the Duwamish Valley um, related to the impacts of the port. Um, the renewal of the community hub will be following into that resolution um, as we are trying to promote more uh, activities and engagement with community. Um, the, it's a wonderful resource for community to have. Uh, specifically, I'm going to refer to the youth as well, that we don't have a space for our youth to have a meeting space um, to talk about environmental justice, climate justice. So this has been um, opening door for us to count on. And so I would like to see it um, to be more affordable, to be more accessible, and to continue to be a community asset for community uh, to enjoy, as well as thinking in the future for a possible purchase. Uh, what we want is spaces and the community um, that are more community-owned uh, for community deciding um, what those spaces should look like. So. I appreciate uh, giving the thought and the voice and the tools for community to utilize the spaces in a meaningful um, way that would allow us to have more of this community cohesion and to follow on the a, a directive that the port did through the Duwamish Valley Benefits Commitment. Um, thank you so much, and I wish you a wonderful day and year. Thank you, Paulina. Our next speaker is going to be Matt Ventosa. Thank you, Matt. And lastly, we have Larry Edwards. Larry, are you there with us? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead and get started when you're ready. Thank you, uh, good day. Uh, I'm Sitka, Alaska resident Larry Edwards. I will comment on the upcoming CLIA organized Pacific Northwest Cruise Symposium. Port of Seattle sponsors the event, so I will make two requests of the commission. A month ago, at an assembly meeting, Sitka City Manager announced the first ever region-wide symposium, saying that besides CLIA members, local governments all along the coast of Washington, British Columbia, and Alaska, where cruise ships call, are invited to attend. 
As such, with many of those communities under substantial stress from the over-tourism created by the cruise industry, and because those communities and the industry are being called together, this symposium is critically important. Even so, all practical for all practical purposes, the public is, ex is excluded due to the admission price and the travel distances across this vast region. The public's ability to observe this event virtually, if not in person, is vital. Nonetheless, in speaking with CLIA Alaska's government, governmental affairs officer on Friday, I learned that CLIA will not video record or live stream the event. So I appeal to the commission for the port to exert all the power it can to ensure the event will be live streamed with recordings later posted online. I note the high value of the port places on public process and public record and make this request in that spirit. Finally, as a region-wide symposium on a highly impactful industry, there is no concurrent session or panel for discourse on the industry staggering over tourism, and that's shocking to me. The agency's one-sidedism is an unfairness as vast as this region, and I think it's time to make the elephant in the room the central attraction for this symposium. So my final request is that the Port of Seattle act to resolve this unfairness, this un imbalance, both in the present and going forward. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. That concludes our signups for today. Is there any, anyone else present or on the team's call or present in the room today who didn't sign up, who wishes to address the commission? If so, please state and spell your name and or state the topic related to the conduct of port uh, that you wish to speak about for the record. Okay, seeing none, I'll ask the clerk to please give a synopsis of any written comments received. Thank you, that button's a little pesky up there. Um, <laughs> no thank problem. you, Aubrey. Um, we have received 78 written comments um, that have been submitted in response to the port's response to a series of email contacts that have come through to the port's correspondence system with respect to capping and reducing the number of cruise sailing ships coming through the Port of Seattle. Submitters include statements in opposition to the port's response stating that nothing in the port's response addressed harms to climate, water, and air caused by continued cruise operations. This is not, quote, the change we need and the port must take action now to quantify the total cruise greenhouse gas emissions, including passenger air travel, and reduce these in alignment with the Clean Shipping Act. A list of the 78 submitters are included um, in the comments submitted, and the list and the comment has been previously emailed to commissioners and will become a part of this meeting record. We've also received two written comments post-deadline, I've been apprised, and those will also be distributed to you after this meeting via email and will be included in the meeting record. And that concludes the written comments today. Excellent. Thank you, Commissioner uh, uh, Clerk Hart. Hearing no further public testimony, we'll move on to the consent agenda. Items on the consent agenda are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion. Items removed from the consent agenda will be considered separately immediately after the adoption of the remaining consent agenda items. At this time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda items covering 8A, 8B, 8C, 8D, 8E, 8F, and 8H. So moved. Second. Thank you. The motion was made and seconded. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called for the approval of the consent agenda as amended. <coughs> 
Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this item. Great. Uh, we'll now uh, address items removed from the consent agenda. And that motion passes. Yes, the motion passes. In case that wasn't clear. Uh, we'll now address the items removed from the consent agenda. Clerk Hart, please read item 8G into the record, and then we'll hear from Executive Director Metric to introduce the item. Bear with me. Let me get to my spot. 12. Usually that's the opposite way around. Thank you. Um, agenda item 8G, Commission Adoption of the Ports 2024 State Legislative Agenda and Authorization for Staff to Advocate on the Agenda during the 2024 Legislative Session. Commissioners, the 2024 State Legislative Session started yesterday in Olympia and will be a short session focused on corrections to the budget. Our new senior Government Relations Manager John Flanagan has met with you and the executive leadership team to discuss priorities and have incorporated that feedback into the final legislative agenda before you today. So to answer questions, uh, we have uh, John Flanagan is here. I thought I saw Great notes. All right. Thank you, John, for joining us. Are there any questions for staff at this time from commissioners? Perfect. <laughs> Mr. Commission President, I think I had a cut and paste there. So ah. just advance a little bit. Got it. Commissioner Mohammed, is there an amendment you'd like to offer? Let's get the main motion on the floor first. Hold on. It's not you, it's me. So should I okay, I see there's a, uh, can I get a motion and a second on the item? So moved. Second. Great. The motion was made and seconded. Now, Commissioner Mohammed, is there an amendment you would like to offer? Thank you, Mr. Commission President. I'd like to amend the memo for agenda item 8G to strike out the eighth bullet in the notable issue area three transportation section and to add a paragraph to the end of that section. Um, and it reads as follows. Given that SEA International Airport will continue to experience congestion as, as the region's primary commercial service airport. The Commission advocates for continual and renewed progress regarding the siting of an additional commercial airport or expansion of existing facilities other than SEA to serve as a secondary commercial service airport. The port supports the state and local efforts to analyze and address the siting issues, including the supporting the work of the commercial aviation work group. Great. Thank you very much, Commissioner Mohammed. Commissioners, is there a second uh, motion and a second? I'll second that. All right. Discussion? Yeah. Any discussion? All right. The primary. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know if our, our colleagues have any uh, questions about it, but the reason why we made this amendment, this is a question that often comes up for the public and just being clear that 
us as a commission, we do support a second airport. We've said it plenty of times from the dais, but I do think it's important to be explicit and include that in our uh, legislative agenda language. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to go ahead and vote on the mo on the amendment. Um, Clerk Hart, this first amendment. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote on the primary amendment. Commissioner, say aye or nay when your name is called. For the vote on this primary amendment, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays on the primary amendment. Thank you. So the primary amendment passes. I believe Mo Commissioner Mohammed has a second amendment to the memo that she'd like to introduce. Commissioner President, that's correct. I would like to amend the memo for <coughs> agenda item 8G as well. Last bullet in the port decarbonization, climate action, and environmental justice section to strike the last bullet and to insert it in its place the phrase, I quote, support use of CCA revenues to address community concerns regarding aircraft noise, period. Great, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Commissioners, is there a second to the motion? I will second that motion. Any discussion? Um, I, I'll just say that uh, this amended language was recommended by staff. It's also very clear language and um, is important for us to just be explicit, similar to the previous amendment as well. Excellent. Thank you for offering that amendment. Seeing no other questions or comments from colleagues, <laughs> Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote on the secondary amendment. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. For the vote on the primary amendment, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays on the primary amendment. Excellent. All right. So now uh, I will entertain a motion in a second to... Uh, approve this item as amended. The motion is on the floor for the main motion, so we're looking for any further discussion on the main motion as amended, and then the vote on the main motion as amended. Any questions or comments? No additional comments. Great. In that case, uh, Commission, uh, Clerk Hart, please go ahead and call the roll for the vote on the, on the amended motion. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays on the main motion as amended. Thank you. The main motion as amended passes. All right. Moving on to the second item on the consent agenda that was pulled. Clerk Hart, please read the item into the record. And Executive Director will then introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 8I, authorization for the Executive Director to increase the project authorization by $7,500,000 to advance the project schedule for the Port IAF Airline Realignment Project at Seattle Tacoma International Airport with the total estimated cost of the project between $102 million to $140 million. Commissioners, the International Rival Facility Airline Realignment Project is a major reconfiguration that will maximize our airport's efficiency. Moving to domestic only operations to B concourse will allow airlines with international flights to use the vacated international capable gates on A concourse. It is an urgently needed project that we're eager to complete. In September, 
The Commission tasked the project team with investigating and bringing forward opportunities to advance the project schedule or mitigate risk of delay in 2025 project delivery. This request authorizes funding for temporary facilities and infrastructure that improve the sequencing of construction activities and allow critical work to begin earlier. In addition, this authorization provides flexibility to execute purchases for long lead uh, critical materials that could negatively impact schedule. So presenters this afternoon are Stuart Matthews, uh, Sean Anderson, and uh, Letty Powell, so con uh, contractor with them. So good afternoon. Stuart. Good afternoon, Commissioners, Executive Director Metric. I'm Stuart Matthews. I'm the Assistant Director of Project Management at Seattle Tacoma International Airport. And with me today are a couple of the project team members. Um, we've uh, obviously provided the commission memo and presentation for you, and you've got some questions for us. So we are here yeah. to hopefully help uh, answer those. Great. Thank you, Sean uh, and team, for being here. Really appreciate the, the, the opportunity for us to ask you a few clarification questions. Uh, for ourselves, but also the public. Uh, before I start, maybe I'll just open it up to fellow commissioners if there are questions or comments regarding this project they want to ask. If not, I'll go ahead and jump in. Um, so I did get a briefing on this from you all uh, maybe a week or two ago. Uh, it's, it's all blurry. But um, I, I wanted to um, clarify one thing, maybe ask some clarification. You know, my understanding at this point is that the the uh, the plan is to finish the work uh, at the B gates before we move the current tenants of the A gates over. Uh, but I guess that what I was curious after our conversation was, is there any work that can be done after we move uh, those tenants to B gates? In other words, is there a way that we can kind of hybridize this where we can push up the timeline uh, to relo relocate those uh, operators to B? Uh, obviously after doing all the essential work, but potentially do some of the work uh, later once the relocation or the, the realignment has happened. So uh, Commissioner, I'll start with that a little bit and we'll uh, pull on my uh, teammates as necessary. The project's already um, broken up into four phases. Um, the first phase being enabling package that really starts within that B concourse area where um, we will be moving United Airlines to to try and get a, a jump start on that. Um, there's a separated HVAC package, we call that package three as well, that um, this authorization will actually help decouple from the work on B concourse so that um, we weren't waiting for that HVAC work to be completed to allow um, United Airlines to move over to B concourse and operate. Um, and then there's a fourth piece that's completely separate. So the project team's doing what it can within the confines of the, the scope of work for B Concourse to allow United to move fully into their space on B Concourse to be able to operate there. Um, that's from the project perspective, our approach for this. Uh, a split operation, which I think might be what you're alluding to, would be a, a decision that would we'd be working through with our uh, operations team and our business and properties folks. So that's not uh, an answer that I would necessarily be the appropriate person to answer for you. So I'm, I'm going to come back to the split operation part, but going back to your point about the HVAC system being parsed out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I would hope that we have looked under every rock to make sure that there are other things that can be parsed out, right? Mm -hmm. And if we have, how much has that impacted our timeline? So there's a number of things that we have um, 
uh, brought forward in this the temporary facilities that we talk about within this um, some temporary trailers for one of the other tenants that's operating in that space right now that we need to get out of the way in order to have full access to that space those are some of the things that we're doing um, we've uh, also added temporary HVAC that's the decoupling piece that I talk about that will uh, allow us to, to complete and occupy B concourse without all of the HVAC work being done so um, from the project perspective working with our contractor Hoffman and the design team um, we believe we've turned over every rock that we possibly can in terms of work that we can perform from the project side to uh, to accelerate okay um, and then I want to since you brought it up I want to turn the attention to the split operation we there's precedence of split operations uh, at our airport when it comes to you know these scenarios where there's heavy construction right have you done this before at the port of Seattle or the um, boy I, again I am not the, I'm on the project delivery side so I'm not the expert on the business and property side I believe we may have um, uh, Rick Duncan from our business and properties side online, but I'm not positive of that. He was uh, in New York, so I, I think that would be a better answer for Rick to address. Hey, Rick. Hey, uh, good afternoon, everyone. My apologies. I got caught up in the recent uh, aircraft groundings, and so <laughs> I'm stuck out here, but hopefully coming home tomorrow. Um, so there is sort of a precedent, and I think you might be referring to American pos being moved over to be temporarily while we did some apron work. Uh, but this would be a little different, uh, and moving United over to B would be really, really difficult for their operations. Uh, they would have, you know, every flight attendant, every pilot, every ground service agent would have to, you know, walk half a mile from A to B to service each flight. And that is a huge impact to their operations, and we're being really sensitive to that. And so, you know, we, we don't want that split operation. It's it's not fair to United. And, um, you know, we are looking at other ways to speed up this project and to possibly delineate it. But I don't think decoupling their operations ramp to their gate is uh, the appropriate move. And it looks like Lance just popped up as well. He may have something to say. No, Rick, I think you're covered it. Thank you. Okay, great. Uh, I appreciate the uh, the context and the history. You know, I think, uh, and I'll just speak for myself here, uh, and not on behalf of my colleagues, and they're welcome to chime in. Uh, you know, I think it, it, obviously all project we like all our babies, uh, and love all our kids. Uh, but I think that certain uh, things should take priority over others. And I think uh, with some of the other projects that are happening in a concourse, uh, uh, it, we it's really imperative that we get this done as soon as possible and we leave no stone unturned. I understand that a split operation is tough. I understand. I'm not saying that we should put owner, onerous burden on one airline over the other. But what I think what we should perhaps explore is, you know, what can the port do to mitigate how onerous that might be if we were to push for that, right? And so, I, you know, obviously it takes a, a good willing partner in United to uh, be willing to do that. But whatever uh, we need to do on our end to make sure that we are providing the resources, the logistical and operational resources to make that possible so that we can get everything done uh, as soon as possible. My understanding is that some of the delays on this project are because we had contracting issues and all these other things. Um, and so it's not, it's not entirely you know, anyone's fault, but I think it's imperative given the timeline that we have right now to try and get that done as soon as possible and really deplete options. I think 
I'm open to all the options that you might put forth on this. And so I just implore you to, again, leave no stone unturned and come up with some creative ideas to see if how we can, we can make this uh, feasible within a, uh, a timeline that works for everybody. Any other? Yes, Commissioner Calkins. So um, I too had an opportunity to meet with you guys and and uh, discuss the project. And I, I think principally out of a concern about sort of two timeline issues. One is the overall length of the timeline um, that puts us beyond some key benchmark dates for our region in terms of uh, being able to provide top-notch service at the airport. And so obviously anything we could do to pull back schedule on that uh, to provide a more seamless experience for passengers uh, and for our partner carriers would be ideal. We talked through lots of the concerns and issues and why this isn't just a simply a swap, but we've got lots of other secondary and tertiary systems that uh, both need to be addressed uh, because essentially we've pulled a permit on something that triggers uh, required upgrades and that's understandable and it's good and you know in the long term will provide uh, greater safety and security for personnel and passengers, that's all good. The other timeline issue is we have partners investing in significant assets uh, on both sides of this. And to the extent that our gate delivery does not align with the asset delivery in those, that pains me greatly because as a former small business owner, if you told me that you don't get to open your doors until some other external project is done and we're talking not weeks, but months and longer, uh, that's painful in terms of, uh, you know, the time is money equation. So, you know, I come to this with a couple of requests. One is that we continue to explore ways in which we can buy back schedule. And I know that's, we are spending an extraordinary amount of money at the airport right now, but uh, the sooner we get this delivered, the sooner we're going to make greater revenue from it and it will pay for itself quicker. I'm convinced that, that you know, it isn't just simply, um, a greater expense line, but will um, bring us, in terms of the net present value, real benefit. Um, the second is, as it stands right now, this is the schedule we're looking at. We know that it's more likely the schedule will s slip further. And so uh, we need to be looking at, as circumstances change at the airport, you know, let's say there is a carrier consolidation or there is a change in routes or there is a um, carrier that goes on, whatever it might be that would result in potential for additional gates coming available that we didn't anticipate, that we, we don't know now, but maybe in six months, maybe sooner, there might be an opportunity to sort of expand where we could potentially um, reallocate some space, move, move folks around quicker. Um, that needs to be brought up to the commission level for consideration. And I'm a little concerned that in past projects, naturally, uh, we've got an operations team and we've got a capital delivery team. And so I need assurances that those teams are, are talking so that as circumstances change, the capital delivery team knows there might be a new opportunity here. Um, and so we need to think, as Sam said, like entrepreneurs in this. How are we constantly thinking creatively about uh, use of this very confined space uh, and working with partners on quicker delivery, whether that's our GCCM or our internal capital teams. Um, and I know we're 
putting a lot of pressure on you guys to do this, but um, in the end, I think it's going to be worth it. And I, I want you to know you have the support of commission to, to bring the resources to bear on this that you need to deliver as quickly as possible. Thank you, Commissioner Calkins. Commissioner Mohammed. Um, similar to uh, the comments from my colleagues, I am wondering, have you been able to elevate these concerns to the leadership of United? How have you guys been able to elevate it? Um, and if not, are there opportunities for the commission to step in into some of those conversations as well? Yeah, um, Commissioner, I would I would again defer to, to Rick uh, as the business and, and properties manager. United is his customer. We deal with some of the project management level uh, United folks and elevate our issues and concerns to Rick on that side. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Actually, I, I could say right now that United is in the room with you guys uh, at this very moment. Should we it call is them for the dice? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but it is very important to them that they do not have a split operation and that, you know, when they are moved, and this is a forced move, that, you know, they their operations are seamless. And, um, we you know, we're working really hard to not only get them over there, but also, you know, with all the support space they need to run their uh, great operation. Great, thank and you. Rick, if I could chime in as well, Commissioner Barnett, I have also personally spoken to the leadership of United and it as well. Great, thank you um, for those comments, Director Little and United being in the room. I think the most important thing is knowing that we want to be a good partner and buying by back schedule and making changes. We understand the difficulties around that, but um, to look to the commission on ways that we can help elevate, accelerate, and do what ne is needed um, to keep our operations running. So thank you okay. for the time. Thank you. Yes, Commissioner Fowler. <laughs> I just don't want to leave you with the impression that we don't think you're working hard and that uh, that if you thought there was an opportunity to accelerate, I fully expect this is what you guys do and our clients are obviously making their interests very clear to us and uh, this is a little bit beyond um, our you know, policy direction. This is a little bit more in the weeds. In fact, I kind of wish the public uh, would know that what, what the project's goals are in the first place with the uh, technically referred to as the do-si-do. -si Thank you for the work you're doing. Obviously, if it's a resource constraint, you hear we're all here to uh, support you in that effort. But uh, I'm, I'm confident that cleverness is not your shortcoming. So thank you. Thank you. All right. So hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion and a second? So moved. Second. All right, a motion was made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the vote. Thank you, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you, four ayes, zero nays for this item. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you very much. Thank you guys, appreciate you guys being here. Moving on in the agenda, we have three new business items today. Clerk Hart, please read the first item into the record. Executive Director Metric will then introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 10A, introduction of resolution number 3817, a resolution of the Port of Seattle Commission amending resolution number 3778 and prior <coughs> corresponding enacting and amending resolutions through incorporation pertaining to the Commission's bylaws and rules of procedure. Commissioners. Periodic review and updates to our, to our bylaws and rules of procedure is an important part of being a high-performing public agency. 
The recommendations included in this resolution cover ethical behavior, officer responsibilities, clarifying duties, remote meetings, rules of order, and many more. And the presenter this afternoon are Aaron Pritchard, Chief of Staff, Commission of the Commission Office. And I don't know, there's a number of people listed here, Aaron, but I think that's it. I think you're the presenter. Uh, really, I just want to thank all the work that we did with, uh, we put a lot of time in with uh, many attorneys, uh, with uh, Pete Rambles and his team, and with Michelle Hart on this. And uh, it can be a complex and Byzantine effort, but I think we've come to some really great solutions. So I'll turn it over to uh, Clerk Michelle Hart to uh, handle the presentation. Thanks. Thank you, Aaron. Mr. Commission President, members of the Commission, um, we are here today to conduct our periodic review of amendment for a policy directive, the Commission's bylaws and rules of procedure, as you've heard. Thank you for your time today and consideration of introduction of the resolution and my thanks to the team as well who worked on the update. Go ahead and go to the next slide. The periodic review is mandated by the policy directive with the purpose of providing transparency to the Commission's procedural operations, to look for efficiencies in process and procedure, to effect predictability in those processes and procedures, to ensure the bylaws are flexible enough to accommodate the way Commission conducts its work, to ensure structure and organization of the policy directive, and to make sure the policy directive accurately reflects commission process consistent with state law, port policy, parliamentary procedure, and practice of the commission. Next slide. The package before the commission for introduction today includes amendments regarding the commission's rules of procedure for public comment, other proposed substantive amendments, which we will overview in this presentation, update reflecting historical practice of the commission, and general technical cleanup and sentence construction and process. Next slide. With respect to the rules governing public comment, updates are proposed with the goals of adding more specificity about when a speaker disrupts a meeting and more clearly defining behavior that is considered disruptive, adding progressively stronger consequences if a speaker repeatedly disrupts meetings, including an allowance for a speaker to be banned for a period of 180 days or for one year, depending upon the repeated level of disruption. And these goals are in place to ensure the more, most orderly and efficient, I'm sorry, the most orderly and efficient meetings that we can provide to the public. Next slide. Key elements of the updated disruption definition is that the definition applies to both individuals providing public comment and to individuals in attendance in the meeting room who are not providing public comment. For example, individuals must follow the direction of the presiding officer or security personnel. This is how we currently operate our meetings, however, the bylaws would now explicitly include language to this effect. Also, public comment cannot support or oppose a campaign or ballot measure. The exception to this is if the commission itself wants to take a position on a ballot measure, in which case there are procedures provided for by the revised Code of Washington. In these cases, the item would appear on a commission agenda and the public would be able to speak for or against the commission action under general public comment as they normally would. Next slide. Key elements of the proposed amendment further include more specificity to the definition of abuse and harassing behavior, 
Derogatory remarks has been expanded to be remarks applicable to age, race, color, national origin, ancestry, religion, disability, pregnancy, sex, gender, sexual orientation, transgender status, marital status, or any other category protected by law. Next slide. The definition of disruption has been further clarified to include the use of obscene or profane language and gestures assaults or other threatening behavior, and sexual misconduct or sexual harassment. Next slide. The amended rules would also provide a procedure for addressing repeated disruptions with progressive consequence. A first disruption would result in a warning. A second disruption within 90 days of the first disruption results in a loss of speaking privileges at the meeting and a third disruption within 180 days of losing speaking privileges would result in a speaker being excluded from attendance at commission meetings for a period of 180 days. Next slide. A fourth or subsequent disruption after being excluded for 180 days results in being excluded for attendance at commission meetings for a period of one year. A speaker who has been excluded from commission meetings and is subject to this heightened standard can end the status by having no further disruptions for a period of three years. There are notice provisions to persons falling under this procedure and time associated with violations would be tracked by me through the clerk's office. Next slide. Other proposed substantive amendments to the package include ethics provisions codifying commissioners' commitment to fostering a safe, healthy, and respectful work environment, and creating a requirement for training within 90 days of being sworn into each term of office on ethics, these bylaws, and the port's statement of values. I'll note here that we will soon re-embark on the review of the Commission's Code of Ethics, which could potentially result in further amendments to these bylaws in 2024. Next slide. Slide 11 is a visual of what those amendments related to ethics look like in the package before you today. Next slide. The package of amendments also aligns us further with the revised Code of Washington on the physical attendance of commission members during meetings, addresses executive session procedures, provides a process for commissioner sponsorship of resolutions, orders, and proclamations of the commission in cases where commissioners have championed items to the commission or would like to join another commissioner in supporting a specific item. That sponsorship provision would now be available. And it, this provides for commission alternates as well for attendance at committee meetings in cases where a committee member would not be able to attend on any given a specific meeting day, then an alternate could be appointed to stand in for them. Next slide. Further proposed amendments include codification of the governance committee as a standing committee of the commission. And we'll hear a little bit about that further after this item. It is on your agenda as well today. And the amendments provide a special rule for setting limitations on debate when needed to ensure the efficiency of meetings. 
that provision allows the president or presiding officer to set time limits on speak of commissioners during conversations. Next slide. Slides 14 and 15 address general updates and amendments to bring our document in line with our practices. And these include external relations coordination with commissioners regarding media inquiries, the signing practice of the commission as it relates to signing resolutions and proclamations. All commissioners sign these documents, but our current bylaws indicate that only the president signs these documents. All, all members have historically signed the documents, so we are just making that amendment to bring that in line with our current practice. And then the clerk's authority to affix digital signatures for commissioners on resolutions and proclamations within six business days of passage of these actions if we do not secure commissioner signatures directly from them in a timely manner, just to keep our records um, complete and business moving forward. There is also a provision there in that particular amendment that allows for sooner signing in cases of, say, the budget ordinance um, if finance needs to get that to King County in a quicker manner than six days. Next slide. And then the amendments continue with reflecting the cancellation process for regular meetings falling on a holiday. So just bringing our bylaws in line with our actual process on how we do that, canceling regular meetings and rescheduling as special. Reflecting the practice that summaries are produced for committee meetings as opposed to formal minutes, requiring formal approval and signature. Clarifying the ceremonial nature of proclamations, and this emphasizes that they are used for honoring, memorializing, or celebrating items, events, and topics. And then other general cleanup. Next slide. Our next steps regarding this piece of legislation coming before you, the package of amendments was brought forward at the December 4th Governance Committee meeting where the committee recommended general approval of the package. The legal department has fully reviewed the package of amendments. Resolution number 3817 to adopt these amendments will be before the commission for consideration of adoption on January 23rd if it is introduced here today. And then I'm happy to answer any questions you may have and my thanks again to everyone who worked to bring the amendments forward and to the governance committee for their review and recommendation. And that concludes my presentation. Excellent. Thank you so much, Clerk Hart, for all your terrific work on uh, the amendments to our bylaws. Uh, it's been a labor of love as someone who was on the Governance Commission Committee. Are there any questions for staff at this time from commissioners? Yes, Commissioner Feldman. Yes. Thank you. I just was hearing some background. Um, I, I was uh, hoping to make a, a small amendment to uh, the item uh, under maritime decarbonization, item 8H, regarding support of offshore wind industry development. And uh, that's, I'm sorry. Oh, this is, I think you want to talk about. Uh, that's in the federal legislation discussion. I'm wishing the day away. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Commissioner Fellman, you have a couple in front of you right now, so. Yes, yes. a couple of things in front of me. All right, thank you, sorry. Okay. Uh, any questions on this item? Great. Well, in that case, uh, is there? I'm sorry. Yeah. There is. 
I've got a couple things going on in my head. So I'm um, sorry. There is one amendment that I would like to make with regards to um, the uh, role of the president, and um, and I was just jumping ahead. So it's a small amendment that says um, sub substituting uh, on item five e. Um, it's under, under duties of the president. Number E, it says, uh, oversight of staff reporting to both the commission and the executive director, dual reports. That's the heading. So um, instead of on behalf of, it would be in consultation with the commission and in concert with the executive director. The president shall provide oversight to the general counsel and public affairs director who report duly to the commission and the executive director. The president shall serve as the commission's primary point of contact to these positions. The point being, it's not just on behalf of, but in consultation to, which is consistent to the way we uh, review the um, executive director and, and uh, chief of staff and things like that. So in the spirit of consistency, it's in consultation with. Okay, great. So uh, minor amendment to the language. Do we have a motion and a second? Mr. Commission President, may I ask that we prepare this amendment and bring it back at the next stage for consideration of adoption on the 23rd? Yeah, Will that. that work? It's sure. two word separation, though, but I would be happy to do that. It's Yeah. Yes. On, on In case we have any other amendments come forward, Commissioner Fellman, I would like to include them all together. It would be my pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. Excellent. Any other amendments, questions, or thoughts regarding the motion? Hearing none, is there a motion and a second to introduce resolution 3817? So moved. Second. Great. The motion was made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the vote. For introduction of this resolution, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. And I will bring that amendment back. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho? Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this item. Great. Um, the motion passes. This will uh, come back before us uh, for consideration and adoption on the January 23rd, 2024 meeting. All right, moving on. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. Executive Director will, Metric will then introduce it. Thank you. This is agenda item 10B, introduction of resolution number 3818, a resolution of the Port of Seattle Commission adopting the charter of the Governance Standing Committee. Commissioners, the Governance Committee of the Port of Seattle Commission has operated as an, inf as, as an informal ad hoc committee for the past <coughs> three years. This resolution would create a standing committee to review, review input and make recommendations on matters such as, such as bylaws, ethics, and delegations of authority. And again, I'm going to turn it to uh, Aaron Pritchard, Chief of Staff of the Commission. I will go right over to Michelle. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Executive Director Metric. Mr. Commission President, members of the Commission, Executive Director Metric, again, for the record, my name is Michelle Hart, Commission Clerk. This next presentation addresses the adoption of the Standing Committee Charter for the Governance Committee. The purpose of this committee is to assist the Commission in creating, updating, and monitoring the Commission's policies, procedures, and directives, and any items of interest that are specifically related to the business government's operations of the Commission. 
This committee reviews and makes recommendations, for example, regarding the Commission's bylaws and rules of procedure, as you previously heard, the ethics code for commissioners, and the delegation of responsibility and authority to the executive director. Next slide. The scope of the committee would also cover long-term succession planning for the executive director's position, creation of a committee annual work plan as needed, and periodic review of the governance committee charter, duties, and responsibilities of the committee. Next slide. The committee has existed in an ad hoc capacity for a little over three years now. It has always been comprised of two commissioners as is consistent with our format for other commission committees. The charter would maintain that composition, but for this committee, the members will always be the currently seated commission president in any given year and the immediate past president. Meetings would be held on an as-needed basis for the committee to conduct its work, and we do expect the committee will engage this year in reviewing proposed amendments to the commission's code of ethics, for example, and we'll need to meet as often as necessary to review that work. Next slide. The Governance Committee reviewed this charter at its December 4th, 2023 meeting and recommended it be forwarded to the full commission for consideration of adoption. If resolution number 3818 is introduced today, the action will be back before the commission for consideration of adoption at the January 23rd meeting and I'm happy to take any questions you may have at this time. Great, any questions for staff at this time from commissioners? Hearing none, is there a motion and a second to introduce resolution 3818? So moved. Second. Great, the motion was made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. For the vote, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, and Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you, four ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. This item will also reappear before us on January 23rd for final consideration and adoption. All right, Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. Thank you. This is agenda item 10C, order number 2024-01, an order electing the slate of officers for Port of Seattle Commission for calendar year 2024. <laughs> <laughs> is there a motion to amend the agenda? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, commissioners, order number 2024-01 is for the election of commission officers for 2024. Uh, before we do that, however, uh, I'd like to take a moment of personal privilege to reflect a little bit on 2023 and uh, my time as commission president. Um, you know, at the beginning of the, of the term, I uh, set out a pretty bold vision for us, uh, and that vision was to build the port of the future. I'm sure many of you recall me repeatedly saying that throughout the year, but also uh, beginning that slogan when we had our State of the Port in Q1. Uh, to me, a port of the future is a port where we are premier gateway for shipping, uh, a future where Seattle-Tacoma International is a, is a five-star airport, uh, a port of the future where we are the greenest port in North America. Uh, and I'm proud to say that in one year, we've made and done an incredible 
amount of work towards that vision. We opened Terminal uh, 5, Phase 1 of Terminal 5 with onshore power. We received Best Airport in North America by Skytrax for a second year in a row. We approved a $400 million project for sea concourse expansion uh, with many other near-term projects on the way, including the SEA Gateway Project, Soco Evo, and baggage optimization. Um, in sustainability, we established the Environmental Legacy Fund, uh, a dedicated account to bank the resources we need for the future cleanups of uh, legacy pollution from port activities. Um, and we continue to lead, as uh, Executive Director mentioned, mentioned in his remarks, uh, by taking part in two green corridors, including one that I am intimately involved in, invested in, which is the one between South Korea and our region. Um, now I know going in, I knew going in that none of our ambitions could be achieved or accomplished in one year or in one presidency. Uh, but as a commissioner, um, I've articulated several times that I'm always mindful of making sure that the work that I do here at this institution, institution outlasts my tenure. Uh, because it's not lost upon me or shouldn't be lost upon any of us here at the dais that it is far more likely that those of you who are sitting across from us right now will be here longer than any of us uh, up here. Uh, and I think that sometimes as elected officials we often forget that we're just empires, right? Um, which is why at the beginning of the year <laughs> when we had our leadership retreat, um, my goal was to get buy-in from our leadership. And I think many of the ELT who were at our uh, retreat recall this because uh, I knew that the buy-in uh, from our ELT and Steve and others would, would inevitably lead to outlasting my term as president. And, and I personally thought the best way to do that was not for me to stand up here and preach from the pulpit about the port of the future, uh, but to challenge you all to get out and re-engage the post-COVID world as Steve alluded to earlier, to rekindle relationships that may have atrophied during the pandemic, uh, but more importantly, to see the, what has changed and to learn what our colleagues across the globe are doing. Sometimes I feel like we live in a bubble here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, and it's important to see what's possible and what's being done elsewhere. And um, ultimately, it's important to seek validation from those who are building the future outside the Florida corners of our state. Um, I myself may have taken that challenge to the extreme last year. As many of you know, I spent a lot of hours on the road. In fact, I tallied the numbers. And since November of 22, I've traveled to 10 countries and 16 cities, spent over 220 hours and 135,000 miles on a plane. Uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, I did it time in on Delta <laughs> uh, eventually. Uh, but, but I think my point here is that in all the travel that I've come to realize two main things. One is that uh, our ambition to build the port of the future cannot be done alone. Uh, we need strong and willing partners and stakeholders to do it with us, both locally and globally. And then two, uh, my realization that uh, because of the sheer breadth, scope, and size of our ambition as a port, we are no longer just a local port. We are a leader on a both national and global level. And I think the greatest testament to this fact is that uh, as an institution, we continue to be invited to some of the biggest convenings and tables where the toughest conversations are being had. Uh, just a few examples of this, Executive Director Metric continues to be invited to the World Port Authorities Roundtable, 
which is a very prestigious convening of port executives from around the world. We took part in COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, where Sandy Kilroy, uh, Commissioner Mohammed, and I had significant speaking engagements. Uh, the World Ports Conference, our very own Stephanie Jones-Debbins was asked and uh, spoke on a panel with global leaders. Uh, Commissioner Fallon was appointed to the U.S. Travel and Tourism Advisory Board by the Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo. Um, Commissioner Calkins has just become a leading voice and sought-after voice on offshore wind, which we sincerely appreciate. Um, my, my, myself, uh, I was appointed two advisory roles on the federal level, one at the U.S. Trade Representative's office with Catherine Tai on trade policy, as well as with the uh, Department of Transportation on human trafficking by Secretary Buttigieg. So I'm, I'm incredib incredibly proud of the leadership that we're exhibiting as an organization, both domestically and abroad. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the incredible work that we did as a commission uh, during the year. We passed so many major uh, policy and institutional reforms this year. Uh, we passed 15 orders this year alone. And to me, some of the highlights include the Equity Policy Directive, uh, which cements the port's commitment to becoming an equitable, more diverse and inclusive agency and really institutionalizes the work of Gazar and the Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. We passed reforms on, and this is huge, we passed reforms on our policy on labor harmony agreements that will make it easier for small and minority-owned businesses to bid and operate at the airport, but while at the same time preserving labor's right and ability to organize large employers. Who would have thought that was possible a year from ago, a year for today? And perhaps one of the biggest institutional changes that we made this year was the delegation of authority. Uh, and on this particular item, I just, I just want to make a quick additional comment. Um, I don't need to remind folks in this room or those of uh, who are watching this who know the history of the port uh, that there's some history there. Uh, the relationship between the commission office and the executive director. Um, many might say that raising the delegation of authority was long overdue, but I just want to emphasize at the core of it, the delegation of authority is less about power, which is what a lot of people see this as, right? Who has the authority to approve these high uh, budget items? It's actually more about trust. Um, and at the end of the day, one of our paramount duties as commissioners is to keep the port fiscally accountable. And I think that our willingness as a commission to give Executive Director Steve Metrick, and by way of transitive property, the executive leadership team a higher delegation threshold is a testament to the relationship and the trust that we've built uh, between the leadership uh, at this institution and the Port Commission. So Steve, I just really want to thank you for your work in building up that trust with us and giving us the confidence in your judgment and, and your leadership team. I, I, I distinctly recall my first day uh, as an elected commissioner, we had the retreat. This was even before I was sworn in. And we had the commissioner's retreat, and we had a dinner. And you had brought this up during the dinner, and it was immediately shot down. It wasn't even like a point of a conversation. Uh, but, but we've come a long way uh, in three years, or, or almost four years now. Uh, so really appreciate that trust that you've built up between us uh, and your team and yourself. Um, we've really moved some big, big rocks, uh, and, and I'm really proud to have done it in the last year. I think for me, personally, the cherry on top of all this was uh, renewing our sister port agreement with the, with the Port of Busan after 42 years. Uh, and as you 
Many of you know uh, my parents are immigrants for South Korea. My father was born in Busan. And so for me, it was very special. Uh, and another one of those full circle moments. So I really appreciate that. Uh, it was a truly special and historic year for us here at the Port of Seattle. I want to thank my colleagues for entrusting me with leading us this year. Uh, earlier uh, in Executive Director Metrics' remarks, he, he stated that the Port of Seattle had its best year operationally in our history. And uh, although I just took credit for everything, I just have to say that it's really all the staff who make this happen. Uh, and uh, that was all possible because of the hard work of our people. So I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for all that terrific work. Uh, I think thanks to all the work of the folks who work at the Port of Seattle, whether you're directly employed by us or, or not, uh, we are well on our way to building the Port of the Future. Uh, and so uh, in conclusion, I just want to say it's been a tremendous honor to serve and lead us through a tremendous year, uh, especially as the youngest and first person of color to serve as the president of this institution. Um, but as one of my close mentors would always remind me, it's great to be the first, but you should never be the last, which is why I'm actually even more ecstatic and excited knowing that the next commissioner to lead us will ensure that I am not the last. Uh, commissioner Mohammed, you have already been such a tremendous leader for us. Uh, the way that you have helped us navigate community, especially when it comes to tremendously uh, sticky issues like curbside management and taxis has been masterful and I've tremendously uh, grown a lot of respect for how you deal with things uh, and learned a lot from you as well and how you engage with community. Uh, I'm extremely excited for your historic presidency as the first woman of color. Uh, I think I still get the title as youngest though, so I'm sorry about that. But um, the first woman of color. Um, but you know, I just know that you're going to lead us into the next chapter, that you will continue the legacy of all the great work that the port has done. And I think um, you know, whatever you have in store for us, whatever vision we have, uh, you know, and I think I speak on behalf of my colleagues, and that you have our full confidence and faith in executing the duties of the presidency, but also the full faith and confidence of the leadership here. And I just want to thank you uh, for your leadership, for stepping up, for all you're going to do for us uh, today, and also for the many years that we hope to keep you here at the Port of Seattle. Thank you. So with that, um, I just want to um, conclude, and um, Clerk Hart, please read our slate of officers into the record. Get a round of applause for Commissioner Cho. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll go ahead and read that slate of um, officers into the record. The Port of Seattle Commission hereby elects the following slate of officers for 2024. All terms expire December 31st, 2024, pursuant to the Commission bylaws. President <coughs> Hamdi Mohammed for the terms January 1, 2024 to December 31st, 2024. Vice President Toshiko Hasegawa, January 1, 2024 to December 31, 2024. And Secretary Ryan Calkins, January 1, 2024 to December 31st, 2024. The individuals listed above have agreed to perform the duties of their respective proposed offices in 2024, have acknowledged the principle that public service is a public trust, have executed annual transparency pledges, and recognize that all officers serve at the pleasure of the Port of Seattle Commission. And that is the slate of officers. Excellent. 
Commissioners, the order before you designates our president, vice president, and secretary positions for 2024. Is there a motion and a second to adopt order 2024-01? So moved. Second. Thank you. The motion was made and seconded. Is there any discussion? Don't all jump in at once. <laughs> all right, Commissioner Calkins, go ahead. Uh, well, let me just say, I think part of the magic of this commission is that we have uh, a group that uh, not only brings extraordinary talents in each position, except position one, um, <laughs> but also uh, a genuine respect for each other, collegiality, friendship, I think. I like all of you, <laughs> uh, including Toshko. We wish you were here. Um, and, um, you know, I want to. I want to say thank you to, to Sam for a really fantastic year of leadership and um, modeling to the rest of us um, leadership skills that I certainly took notes from and um, am trying to emulate in my own leadership capacity. Uh, but really, uh, the spotlight for today is um, with our with Commissioner Mohammed, and um, you know, I I think. My only regret is that I don't get to spend more time with you. You're an extraordinarily busy person, but I learned so much from you in every meeting and encounter and dinner at your house with our spouses. Uh, and, um, you know, I think the um, one thing that comes up again and again and again is this sense of grace. And I mean that in your composure and also your, um, the compassion that you show to people. Um, and boy, I could not think of a better leadership attribute uh, for our institution. And uh, so I'm really excited for this year ahead. You're going to be phenomenal. You're going to elevate the port. You're going to take, you're going to stand on the shoulders of giants uh, and take what Sam and, and our executive leadership team have done over the last year and take us even further. There will be moments of celebration and there's going to be really, really tough moments. And I am 100% certain that you are going to take all of that and um, excel really truly. So uh, yeah, I have zero qualms about this slate of officers. I'm going to pretend that as secretary, I'm like a cabinet secretary. Uh, but I know it just means I get to sign a lot of papers this year. But uh, I'll gladly do that and support whenever needed, you know, as, as fill in, as vice chair, chair, whatever. So really looking forward to the coming year. Yes, Commissioner Feldman. I'd like to express my great support and appreciation for your work as president, Mr. Cho, and uh, thank you for all those air miles. I hope you uh, <laughs> did your carbon uh, footprint offsets. And uh, I understand the port does all of them, actually. So, um, but very much a very productive year, and I uh, couldn't help but. So, um, and I do think that uh, you've laid great groundwork for Commissioner Muhammad, who I am very excited about uh, assuming the reins, and uh, had a chance to get to know her a little bit and look forward to knowing her more. I do want to say that the responsibilities, the time commitment will be significant, mm -hmm. but I know that you're able to rise to the occasion. And I think one of your greatest attributes among many are that you can take on these hard things, you can go through some contentious stuff, and then move forward. It's like the, the, this baggage does not weigh you down. You keep a light spirit and take on the next challenge, and this will be critical to uh, your success into the future, and look forward to supporting you in that end, to that end. Thank you. Excellent. Commissioner Mohammed. Thank you, and um, thank you both for your kind words. I um, just want to take some time to thank 
Commissioner Cho, President Cho, I'll probably continue to call you that. <laughs> um, you, you, Commissioner Fellman, you joked, and so I can say a little joke directed at you. You said we're temporary commissioners, with the exception of Commissioner <laughs> Fellman, who's a third-term commissioner. Um, but in, in all honesty, one of my favorite parts about being a port commissioner is the fact that I get to work alongside each and every one of you. You all are incredibly brilliant, um, passionate individuals, and um, you also challenge me, right? Um, I think we challenge each other in healthy ways and continue to be friends in this work. And I think that is rare. Um, I think it's rare in politics. Um, we often vote together as you all can see, but that doesn't mean that we don't have difficult conversations that happen one-on-one -on -one and so forth. And really, I just have appreciated the fact that I get to work alongside you all. This job is not easy. We all carry this work with an additional workload. We all have other full-time jobs that we're taking on. And so it's not you know, an easy, simple task that we, we choose to do. And I think um, why probably Commissioner Cho and Fellowman continue to run again is because there are good people at the dais and there are really good people at the Port of Seattle who truly care and are passionate about their, the work that they do. And um, uh, you know, the pay for commissioners is, is not high. Uh, but regardless of that, I think you know we would probably do this work for free as well. Um, I had to get off of a lot of community boards when I was joining the commission, and so it, I feel very lucky to be able to bring my passion to this work. And um, Commissioner Cho, I I admire you. Uh, you have led us so well. Um, you've mentioned all of the ex excellent work that we've done in 2023, and it was a challenging time. We dealt with inflation. We dealt with global conflicts and you leaned into all each and every one of those conversations and I served alongside you on the aviation committee um, as well and when I did join the port one of the first things I was told was that ground transportation would be one of the most difficult things that I would have to take on and for me and if you know anything about my life difficulty is not something I I choose to move away from and I've grown to lean into difficulties and I felt very lucky to be able to do that alongside you being a you know a new commissioner coming on and dealing with community issues issues of business people's money livelihoods and I felt like I, I learned a lot from you through that experience your poise your ability to um, have a business lens and be able to bring a community lens and find a good balance around that. Um, it was it was great and I continue to learn from you and I continue to um, look forward to learning from each and every one of you and I'm really excited to step into this new role and um, be able to support the priorities each and every one of you have in the Port of Seattle and so just really looking forward to um, 2024 being as great as 2023, we'll see. Thank you for the time. Even better, even it's gonna be even better. All right, hearing no further discussion, Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. Thank you, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, and Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you, four ayes, zero nays for the slate of officers. Excellent, the motion passes. Our slate of officers for 2024 is now adopted. Congratulations, Commissioners Mohammed Hazagawa and Calkins, on your appointment. 
Uh, I forgot to do something earlier. Before I pass the gavel, I did. I intend to give my colleagues a challenge coin. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I actually had a challenge coin made at the beginning of the year when I became president. Uh, and so I just want to make sure that you all got this while we we're at the dais here. The largest uh, one I've ever seen, actually. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was unintentional, actually, but I'll take credit for it. Uh, but again, thank you so much for a terrific year, and I, I hope you all uh, keep it as a keepsake. Um, I will now pass the gavel to Commissioner Mohammed, who will preside over the remainder of the meeting and every other meeting for 2024. Commissioner Mohammed, the gavel is yours. That's how you do a peaceful transition of power. <laughs> oh, was Um, well, before I move on to our additional uh, business items, I also would like to give Commissioner Cho something, his own personal <laughs> gavel, an honorary gavel that I'd like to present to you. This is for you, Commissioner Cho. Thank you for your leadership. <laughs> and it comes up there. Oh, this comes here. Maybe I still have some power here. <laughs> Are there any additional comments to begin the year? Thank you, commissioners. Moving to item 11, presentation and staff reports. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. Executive Metric will then introduce the item. Thank you, commissioner. This is agenda item 11A, the 2024 Federal Legislative Agenda Briefing. President Mohammed, congratulations. Vice President Hasegawa, Secretary Hawkins, congratulations to you all. Commissioners, <clears throat> this is your first opportunity to provide comments on, on our proposed 2024 federal priorities. While our divided Congress will increase the challenges of passing major legislation in Washington, the port still has significant potential for progress on our key goals through grants, through partnerships with federal agencies, and through administrative rulemakings. We are also pleased to have strong relationships with our congressional delegation who have shown their deep commitment to working with the port on our priorities. I look forward to working closely with you to advance our federal agenda throughout the year ahead. So with this, we're gonna have uh, the former acting chief of staff, but now in his role that he's much more comfortable with, uh, Eric Shinfield, the senior manager of federal of federal and international government relations uh, to go over the agenda. I so think that's Eric's title forever that's now. That's right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everything and then former <laughs> chief of staff. Well, point, good point of order. I think you need to ask the chair before you get. The oh, <laughs> yeah, right. That was Fair just. Yeah. It's for you, Michelle. It's going to take some time. All right. Well, good afternoon, commissioners, executive director metric. Again, my name is Eric Schinfeld, just the federal government relations uh, senior manager for the port. Nothing else uh, now or in the future. 
Uh, I am really quite honored. This will be the presentation that will be forever known as the first briefing for Commission President Mohammed. So it's a lot of pressure here. Uh, I hope I, I really give you a good memory to start off your term here as president. Uh, next slide, please. So we are here to talk about the draft 2024 federal legislative agenda. This is something we do every year to get your input and then eventually approval uh, to make sure that we're pursuing the right priorities in Washington, D.C. Uh, we start every year by looking at our accomplishments and the current state of political affairs. We go through our policy priorities, as you can see there. Those are the four main categories that we group our priorities into. And then, of course, we seek your feedback. And uh, we will be back at your next meeting to ask for final approval once we get those that input. Uh, next slide, please. So like I said, we, we always start with uh, looking back at the successes of the, of the past year. And that is not only because of my deep-seated need for external validation, uh, but also really to just show it, as Executive Director Metrics said, that we have this incredible partnership with the federal delegation, with the administration. We have so many shared priorities and shared goals. And they really, uh, all of these successes are thanks to our members of Congress who help uh, make these happen for us. Uh, as you'll see, many of our successes successes over the past year in 2023 were with regard to the uh, FAA reauthorization bill. Uh, that was a key priority for us to make sure that we were getting some of our top priorities into that bill uh, because obviously uh, as the owner and operator of Seattle Tacoma International Airport, uh, that is so essential to what we do and how we do it. Uh, first and foremost is that we got together with the six cities around the airport through our start committee and identified seven priorities related to aircraft noise and emissions that we wanted to push. And I'm really pleased to say that we were able to get five of those seven priorities into either the House and or Senate versions of the FAA reauthorization bill. It's a huge accomplishment and again not only in thanks to our congressional delegation but also because of the second bullet there, the first ever DC fly-in where the port went with members of those communities around the airport stood shoulder to shoulder, spoke with one voice about what our priorities were, and it really made an incredible impact on everyone we met with in DC, and that's why we were able to be so successful. And just to highlight what some of those uh, successes are, those five out of the seven, including looking at ultrafine particulates, including looking at, uh, quote unquote, failed packages, failed noise packages, and how we can get additional federal funding for them, potential changes to the 65 DNL noise contour, uh, et cetera. Uh, we also were able to, the third bullet there, get language in both the House and the Senate versions that will give you as the commission the flexibility to decide whether to sell or preserve certain park parcels near the airport, regardless of whether they were purchased with federal funds. Obviously, that's a, a decision that will be made down the line, but giving you that option, giving you that flexibility was one of our top priorities. And as soon as that FAA bill passes, being in both the House and the Senate version gives us great optimism that that will remain in the bills. Uh, and then two other things I want to highlight really briefly here. One is at the end of last year, the U.S. Maritime Administration was reauthorized. Uh, a key provision in that reauthorization of MARAD was expanding the MARAD Port Infrastructure Development Program, which is one of their, their main grant programs, to put on equal footing with cargo cruise shore power and quote unquote seafood cargo infrastructure. 
Uh, in the past, the Northwest Seaport Alliance has hogged all of the money from FEIDP, uh, just because cargo is really important. Uh, but we also believe here at the home port that shore power for cruise is really important, that our seafood business is really important. And so this change allows us to pursue federal grant funds through PIDP for uh, Pier 66 and Terminal 91 in ways that will really be really beneficial. Uh, and then finally, uh, thanks to Senator Murray, there is language in the Transportation Appropriations Bill for next year, or rather this current year, that would provide funding for doing a study to really understand the scope and the size of this issue around failed noise insulation. So really excited about that once the federal uh, funding package does pass. So next slide, please. So uh, things in D.C. are tough. They are quite tough. Uh, the, not only do Democrats and Republicans not agree, uh, even Republicans within the, the House of Representatives don't agree with each other. Uh, and we're seeing that right now where Speaker Johnson negotiated a uh, funding agreement, and then immediately a large portion of his party rejected that agreement. So where are we? We'll have to see. We could have a, a federal government shutdown, partial shutdown as early as next Friday. Hopefully that won't come to pass, but, but things are really tough. Uh, so we are, as Executive Director Metric said, really looking more towards agency rulemaking, grant funding. But we haven't given up yet. Hope springs eternal. Uh, we are looking at the appropriations process. There is still a half-decent chance that the appropriations process will come to fruition, in which case we'll get things like I mentioned, the funding for failed insulation packages, among many other important things. The FAA reauthorization bill, unfortunately, has been stalled since last summer. Hope springs eternal that they will eventually be able to come to some compromise on pilot training hours and pilot training simulator hours, uh, which is one small issue that's holding up pretty much the entire bill, unfortunately. Uh, we'll talk about the farm bill, uh, the potential for that bill to pass this year and the impact on sustainable aviation fuels. And then finally, the bill that's being negotiated right now, which is mostly around uh, aid for Israel, Taiwan, Gaza, and uh, and our partners in Ukraine, but also has funding for the southern border, which would include CBP staffing. And if there is money for additional CBP staffing, that will have benefits to our airport and seaport gateways as well, uh, reduce some of the strain that we're having on our CBP staffing there. Uh, and then, like I said, areas that we'll pursue on the executive side, grant funding, trade, workforce development, et cetera. Next slide, please. So we have uh, about 50 policy priorities in 2024. Uh, but if you said to me, hey, Eric, if you had to just pick 10, what would those be? Uh, I would say, commissioners, you're in luck. I have a slide for that. Uh, and these are our top priorities here, our top 10 priorities. You'll notice there a lot of them are about pursuing federal funding. A top priority for us, especially ever since the infrastructure bill passed and the Inflation Reduction Act passed. Federal staffing of our facilities so important, uh, particularly to reduce wait times at the airport. Uh, and then that partnership opportunity on things like sustainable aviation fuels, green corridor, PFAS firefighting foams, and aircraft noise and emissions. We really need to take advantage of those partnerships as long as we can with the Biden administration. Next slide. Uh, there are so many priorities that we have, and so I'm not going to walk through all of our existing priorities. I'm going to focus today really on what are the new ones or the ones that we're sort of tweaking and updating for 2024, uh, and thereby the, the, the key four categories that I mentioned earlier. In terms of infrastructure, uh, I mentioned that PIDP expansion will look at uh, is there funding for our seafood cargo facilities, uh, the CBP staffing I mentioned, but also really working with our federal partners on both the West Waterway and the East Waterway to see if we can continue to make progress on both of those really, really important projects. Next slide, please. 
Uh, on decarbonization, which of course is one of our top priorities, we were really, really pleased at the end of last year to see that the U.S. Department of Treasury finally uh, put out its rulemaking for the use of this Sustainable Aviation Fuel Blenders tax credit. That allows some of these private sector partners that we have to start making investments in adding new SAF capacity. Uh, and it was a really great thing. We were pushing very hard to uh, make sure that not only the Corsia model for calculating the carbon benefit of some of these SAF technologies, but also the GREET model, uh, which is a, a different model that I cannot possibly explain to you the difference, but I know it's really great that we got GREET, and so that's, that's fantastic for all of us. Uh, GREET still needs a little bit of additional rulemaking, so we'll be continuing to work with our partners to make sure that by the spring, uh, the exact definition of how you calculate that, that carbon reduction. And again, that's really important because the way the SAF Blenders tax credit works is it's $1.25 per gallon up to $1.75 per gallon with one additional cent for every percent of carbon reduction over 50%. So how you calculate that amount of carbon reduction matters, which is why GREET is a really important model to be able to use. Uh, and, and then finally, I did want to talk about the Farm Bill. We don't talk about the Farm Bill very much in terms of SAF, but the U.S. Department of Agriculture actually has significant programs for uh, feedstock R&D, for uh, loans and loan guarantees for biorefineries, uh, and then there's a new proposal for a farm-to-fly program, uh, again, really looking at helping to uh, build the capacity for feedstocks for sustainable aviation fuels. Yeah, Eric, can I stop you? Yeah. I'm going to pause and see if commissioners have questions, and I know Commissioner Calkins has one. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Eric, I just had one quick question. When, when you're talking about um, agriculture, does forestry and forbs products fall in there, and therefore, would that feed? It does? Yes. Okay. Well, that's a pretty significant one for us, for sure. Yes, absolutely. And again, you know, to be very clear, very important to remind everybody listening that our definition of sustainable aviation fuels mostly excludes food stocks. Uh, we're really focused on those non-food stocks. And so uh, while they're, you know, right now we're sort of in all of the above nationally in terms of how we get to SAF, uh, our focus is, uh, is, of course, on those things like municipal solid waste and forest residuals. But it's good to have U.S. Department of Agriculture spreading the wealth as much as possible and giving us as many options nationally and internationally to get to SAF feedstock uh, capacity that we need to get to. Next, oh, sorry, Commissioner, yeah. Commissioner uh, Fellman? Yeah. Just in support of that, yeah, U.S. Department of Forestry is in ag, yes. so that works good. Yes. And uh, also, I mean, I know that there's like stuff like camelina are cover crops that are nitrogen-fixing crops, so I'm just making sure that we might be able to look at, you know, crops as a way to include their oil seeds that will be beneficial, but thank you for all the work you've been doing on that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, so next slide, we, uh, we want to talk about some additional sustainable pri sustainability priorities that are not around decarbonization per se. Uh, one is uh, a priority that Commissioner Calkins has been leading on, on how do we make sure that we actually have the domestic shipbuilding capacity uh, to carry some of these alternative maritime fuels, transport large things like offshore wind turbines. So we have added that this year, proposing, or rather proposing to add that this year, and, and we appreciate that suggestion. Uh, continuing to work on speeding up permitting, particularly for things like environmental mitigation banking. Uh, and then this point, I, I want to just call out really briefly here, uh, one of our next big proposed environmental mitigation projects is Terminal 25 South. Uh, one of the things we have to do is some in-water work. 
Uh, and one way to speed up the permitting and reduce the permitting barriers to that project is actually to deauthorize a very small portion of the federal waterway right off Terminal 25 South, which means it will no longer be part of the federal navigation channel. Uh, the benefit of that is that we are able to do that in-water work uh, rather than the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers doing that work. Uh, we don't have to uh, dredge to navigable depths, and, and the reason that's okay is because there are not currently navigable depths right there off T25. Uh, so we think uh, the, actually the Army Corps is fully supportive of this. We've done full outreach to everyone from labor to tribes to industry to make sure that everyone's aware of this and comfortable with this. Uh, and so we are excited about moving this within this year's Water Resources Development Act bill. Uh, and we've been working with our congressional delegation on that. So uh, just trying to facilitate this project as it continues to develop. I know the details of this project are still in the works, uh, but what we can do right now to facilitate it is really important to us. I wanted to call that out. Uh, and then finally, last slide on our new priorities for the year are around, uh, of course, all those things that I talked about for the uh, aircraft noise and emissions policy. We're really excited to get them into the bills, uh, into the FAA reauthorization bill, into the transportation appropriations bill. We actually have to get those passed this year. Uh, it's really, really important that we keep up the work to do that, and, and we're really we're, we're going to uh, keep hoping that despite all of the dysfunction in Congress, we can still get a couple of these must-pass bills done, and we'll continue to work very, very hard with all of our partners to make that happen. So uh, final last slide here, of course, is where we are. We're, we're here today. Uh, sorry, next slide, please. Uh, to take your feedback, uh, we're going to incorporate that feedback and come back next time for final adoption. Uh, and then, of course, start sharing that out. And the last thing I want to say is really the, the way that we are successful is not just you giving us direction, but you being our partners. You are our best spokespeople as elected officials uh, to go talk to our members of Congress. And so whether it's them coming here for things like August recess, whether it's y'all coming with me or, or others to Washington, D.C. to participate in direct meetings or uh, part of these sort of broader fly-ins, uh, you know, we were so lucky to have Commissioner Mohammed come on that Start DC fly-in, uh, and her ability to talk directly with, with our members of Congress really helped us make the points that we needed to make. So uh, these are just some of the dates. Obviously, there's many other opportunities to bring you to DC, in addition to the work that Commissioner Chill and Commissioner Fellon already do on those federal, uh, those federal task forces and federal advisory boards, where we take advantage of your time when you're already there to go meet with members of Congress. So. Uh, that will be an ongoing uh, opportunity, an ongoing conversation to keep you involved in these priorities once you hopefully approve them at the next meeting. And with that, I'm happy to take any questions. Great. Thank you for the presentation. I'll open it up for any additional comments um, or questions from my colleagues. Commissioner Fellman? As I have my paper sprawled out before me, I uh, would just like to have one uh, friendly amendment to the um, item. H, I believe it was, um, in the, uh, here we go, no, I'm sorry, I was just teeing it up here and I lost myself in my paperwork. Um, I have a copy if you want to, Commissioner. Yeah, no, I, I, it's right here, it's just, uh, and drowning in paper is sort of like my, uh, okay, um, Sorry. Well, I, I can read the uh, item. In, here we are. That's the problem. So, item H, under uh, under trade, economic development, and workforce. That, so that would be four H. 
Yes. That's not that's not even right. Um, I'm sorry. It would be under maritime decarbonization, which would be eight uh, H. No, just H, please. Maritime decarbonization, number eight, letter H, supportive offshore wind development. A couple of friendly amendments. So the uh, we would insert the word industry between support offshore wind development, which was wind industry development, and that's the heading. So to support legislation to advance the offshore wind industry, and then inserting such as, including the rest, is creating opportunities for the Pacific Northwest to become a leader in manufacturing, assembly, deployment, inserting workforce, maintenance, deleting and, inserting supply chain, and then adding and scientific research to continue to include the assertion while excluding advocacy around citing decisions. And then keeping the last sentence as is, partner with local stakeholders to pursue federal funding contained within the IIJA for offshore wind industry development. I've put these in writing. There's one tweak with regards to inserting scientific research. But other than that, um, this is, uh, I don't know if it has been distributed, but um, it's in the same spirit. It's just a slight refinement. Commissioner Fellman, um, I believe Clerk Hart has some comments. Yes, um, through the Commission President to Commissioner Fellman, um, I would ask that you work with Eric then to get the language into the version coming forward for action. Since this is a briefing, we don't have a main motion before us to make an amendment, but I'll take your language there if I can collect it from you after this meeting and share it with Eric. Yeah, and, and, and just to say, Commissioner, that this will be, uh, when we come back to you in two weeks from now, we will include this. So, uh, and of course, it was our intention all along to specifically focus on the supply chain piece of this and some of those other pieces and, and not uh, be involved in the citing part of that. So thank you for the clarification. Thank you. Are there any additional comments or questions? Um, I have a couple, and Eric, you're right, I will forever remember this presentation because <laughs> it is a special moment for me. Um, me too. <laughs> um, I will present maybe some amendments to you at a, at a later time. Um, the one that I think about is um, around workforce development, and I know you have a section on um, welcoming immigration policies, just considering the increase of migrants into the country today and knowing that there is an influx here locally. Um, our airport is one that comes up in a lot of discussions. Um, one of the things that I think we should look at is advocating for um, ad advancing work authorization, employment authorization cards, EADs. Um, there are a lot of people here today who are eligible to work um, could come to SeaTac Airport at work. Um, they remind me of my parents sometimes, <laughs> eager to uh, go after the American dream and be able to be employed at our airport, but they are limited because it is so challenging to get those work authorizations expedited. So I think there is a, a, a clear connection between the labor shortages that we face at our airport and those who are prepared to um, to work today. So that's, that's um, I, I would like us to have a, a just a deeper conversation around that. And then the other thing is the FAA reauthorization bill, um, it was great to be able to join 
you all in DC and uh, to engage with the start committee members and the other elected officials. I, I, I do wonder though, are there other stakeholders similar to start that inform your legislative agenda items that you bring before us? So yeah, we, we certainly reach out to all of our partners, industry, community members, uh, other jurisdictions to ask what they're doing, you know, particularly local jurisdictions like Seattle, King County, and the, the airport cities themselves. So we try and, and be comprehensive. And one of the things in particular we focus that on is grants. We want to make sure that we are supporting and writing letters of support for other jurisdictions that are applying for federal funds that have a nexus to the airport. Uh, we just did one for the city of SeaTac, for example, where they're developing out their pedestrian and, and transit infrastructure that can support uh, access to the airport. So these are the types of things we want to make sure that we are working hand in glove with our partners on. Uh, and we, we have tried to reach out to as many other folks as possible, but if there are people who have interest in this and, and want to make sure that we're supporting their priorities, we're always happy to do that. That's, that's great to hear. I know with the FAA reauthorization bill, we do have a lot of stakeholders who have interest in it, and I think it's going to be a slow process, but providing maybe some timelines on what people can expect and um, how they can advocate to their members of Congress as well would be helpful. Um, that concludes my questions for you, Eric, and sounds like the commission as well. So I'm going to give, okay, Commissioner Calkins. Uh, Eric, can you give us a, maybe a couple of minutes on um, trade policy discussions with uh, particular emphasis on Asia and China in particular? You know, in, during the six years I've been here, we've seen a significant impact as a result of um, increased tensions between China and the U.S. under both administrations. It's significantly impacting our agricultural and other exporters, including advanced manufacturing. Uh, obviously, it's slowed significantly the amount of inbound, inbound trade that we do with China. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, reasonable people can disagree about uh, how we should approach this, but um, just from a kind of a landscape perspective, what do you anticipate in the next year? Is there anything we should be advocating for with our delegation or pro more broadly uh, in coalitions of ports uh, to ensure that our exporters in particular have access to, to global markets and particularly East Asian markets? Yeah, thank you for that question, Commissioner. You know, I, I think uh, I want to be as objective as possible. This is not a partisan statement in, in any way to say that uh, opening up new markets and reducing barriers to trade has been one of President Biden's lowest priorities. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, again, no, no judgment. There have been many important things happening, like COVID and inflation and war, et cetera. Uh, but this has not been an area where the administration has leaned into. I think it's also fair to say that uh, not only has uh, President Biden continued almost all of President Trump's trade policies, in many ways he has leaned into them significantly, particularly related to China, uh, with specific industrial policies that uh, favor domestic industries uh, versus China, whether it be microchips or electric vehicles or, or whatever else. Uh, there have been some very friendly conversations recently between President Biden and President Xi, uh, particularly at the APEC summit down in San Francisco, but none of that has actually changed the fundamental direction that we're in right now related to trade policy. Uh, the, the President's main focus on trade policy has been to build a coalition around uh, India, Japan, and Australia. 
uh, which sort of feels like, what if we had some sort of trans-Pacific partnership trade agreement? You know, that would be actually be a really good way to do that. But instead, he calls it something different. He calls it uh, IPEF, uh, which is a some sort of uh, analogy. So. Um, uh, acronym, rather, not analogy, or both. Uh, so uh, I don't have very much optimism, long story short, about any changes in trade policy, about any opportunities to, uh, you know, even Asia aside, find opportunities to lower trade barriers and open new markets, uh, other than the, the good work that we're doing to, uh, in spite of some of those trade barriers. And of course, you know, not only is trade policy itself stuck, but some of the, the key global factors related to trade, whether it be some of the, the global conflicts that are impacting trade uh, in the Red Sea right now, as we're seeing them uh, in the Black Sea as well. Uh, so it, it's just a tough time for trade. Important to, to your point, though, continue to talk about the importance of trade, to talk about the importance of, uh, of lowering some of those barriers. And we have a delegation that is receptive to that message. But right now, it's just uh, there's no real opportunities to make a, a major shift at the moment. Thanks. Any additional, Any additional questions or comments? Thank you, Aaron, Eric, for the presentation. Well, that concludes our business meeting agenda for the day. Are there any closing comments at this time or motions related to committee referrals from commissioners? I, I just, I will add a closing comment. I, I wish Commissioner um, Hasegawa was here. I did have a really great conversation with her yesterday. She's doing really well, and I um, just wanted to say I'm really excited to be able to partner with her as well in this new position. Um, she has been, we can't, we both ran for office at the same time and have been um, partners. We see each other as sisters on this, at this dais in many ways. Um, and so I look forward to her returning and for us to be able to work closely with her as well. And I just wanted to add that as closing comments. And you know, we have an event later on today this afternoon. Um, I thought initially it would be an event where we would have maybe 20, 30 people there, but it has turned into something a lot bigger than I thought, um, times maybe 50. <laughs> um, I, 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 but I'm really excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to see a lot of community members. When I joined the port, it was um, COVID-19 was happening, and um, I, I remember uh, Clerk Hart and I were standing right here, both face masks. We didn't know each other really well, and I could tell she just kind of wanted to like move away from me, and I wanted to move away from her. Um, it was a really difficult time when I came to the port. It was in, at the heart of the, the pandemic, um, and so I think this moment will be a full circle this evening to be able to celebrate with um, the port staff as well as community members who will be in attendance. And I just, again, as closing comments, want to thank you all for entrusting me in this new role. I'm excited for it. Um, that said, Executive Director Metric, are there any closing comments for today? No, thanks for your time today, Commissioners. Great. Hearing no further comments and having no further business, if there is no objection, we adjourn at 2.13 p.m. <laughs>